I love the uh, I love the richness of that chorus. Your Majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now, with royal robes. I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. Father, I just, um, I just want to thank you for who you are, Lord God. All that does is really just puts us into a place of awe, of adoration. Lord God, when we read of, uh, of the Son for whom and through whom all things were made, the creator and sustainer of the world, the image of the invisible God, the radiance of God's glory, the one seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who laid down his life. Lord Jesus, we worship you. And we thank you for the privilege of being your family together. In Jesus' name, amen. One John three one says, um, "See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are." See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. We are continuing our DNA series uh, covering the vision, identity, and culture of New Life Community Church. These are kind of areas like for sprinting blocks for a sprinter, a base from which the runner can make an explosive start toward the finish. Uh, 20 years ago, I can, um, I can actually really genuinely think of myself having an explosive start. Now it's a kind of, you know, the gun goes off and you fumble your way down the track. <clears throat> but anyway, for us as a church family, we want spiritual explosion, don't we? Foundations of faith that enable us to run this race well. So if you're visiting this morning, welcome. It's great to have you here. My name is Paul, and I lead the team that oversees New Life Community Church. So we have a strap line as a church family, acknowledging the identity of the church that is New Life Community Church. It's made of people who have found hope, family, life, and acceptance in Jesus. And last week, we started looking at hope. This week, we're going to start looking at family. So here's a question to get the ball rolling. If you were God, how would you reveal yourself to creation? If you were God, how would you... Reveal yourself to creation. Now, I had a little think about this, and genuinely, despite, <laughs> despite my hope that I would be some sort of you know, uh, Clark Kent or Peter Parker type person who humbly went about life until it was time to get my cape out or shoot my spider webs, all I could really imagine <laughs> was this big red curtain type episode the big reveal moment involving music, lightning, and pyrotechnics. So I was actually pretty disappointed with myself. <clears throat> My wife, Jo, did actually lean towards a Thor-like appearance, that she, she was going to go with lightning across the sky. That's how she revealed herself. <clears throat> Power. 
It'd be pretty disappointing. I wave my hand, and all that happens is a guitar falls down. I'm so sorry. Is that Debbie? Is that your guitar? Oh, okay. Would you like me to sort that out? You sure. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The pattern throughout Scripture, even as Jim read through Hebrews 1, helps us to understand from the very beginning to the very end, the Scriptures are very intentional about communicating God's power. That God is entirely what we call omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful. Whether that's found in the creation account or in Israel's exodus from the time when God causes the sun to stand still to the time that God's power confuses the countless number of the Midianite, Midianite army when Jesus speaks to the storm and says, be still. When he calls Lazarus out from the grave, God's omnipotent power is continuously displayed throughout Scripture. Luke 12, 7 says, Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, of course, you might think that's really easy in my case. <laughs> but there's an, that's another way of saying that God knows all about you. Not only does he know, but it is to our comfort that he is concerned about all the details. He knows your frame. He knows the stuff you are made of. He is intimately acquainted with you and the situations that you find yourself in. Nothing is hidden from him. This is what it is to be omniscient. And the scriptures are concerned to show us that this all-powerful God is also a God who is all-knowing. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. As a human race, we are governed and limited by boundaries, time, oxygen, gravity, the need for energy, therefore the need for food and sleep. Time alone limits our ability to explore the earth on which we live. How many countries do you think that we may or may you visit in your lifetime? Currently, these boundaries prevent us from even adventuring beyond our neighboring planets, let alone what it would be to explore our solar system or our galaxy. The God of the Bible is not bound by these parameters. He is the one who installed them for us, for our existence. He himself is outside of them and therefore not limited by them. He is successfully able, much more than Father Christmas, to be in all places at all times. And as the Alpha and Omega is able to stretch himself along the whole of the timeline to see beginning to end. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? The narrative of the Bible helps us to understand that the God who is omnip omnipotent, 
Omniscient is also the God who is omnipresent. He is everywhere, in all places, at the same time. So how does this omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God choose to reveal himself to his creation? He reveals himself as Father, as Son, and as Other. Now, this is not to, discount all the, not to discount all the other things that God is, but one of the principal ways in which God reveals himself to be and how he relates is family. As I shared last week, the discovery of Jesus is like the discovery of treasure, treasure that leads you to forsake all things. All other things are first importance in order that you may obtain it. And the marvelous thing about this treasure is there is a richness to it, the depth of it. Once you've discovered it, you realize that in Jesus, you've gained a lot more than you could have anticipated. Part of the richness, part of the depth is the family you inherit. And this, the reason why family, and this is the reason why family is in the DNA of us as a church family together. Family is what God is. Family is what we are, and this family is a model to the world. Father, Son, and other. Family is what God is. Father, Son. If you've got your Bibles, let's read together from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. It's a well-known section in Isaiah. And we're going to read... From verse, just verse 6. We're just going to read verse 6 together. So Isaiah chapter 9, pretty much slap bang in the middle of your Bible. And we're going to read just verse 6 together. And scripture tells us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah the prophet speaks ahead to a time when a ruling, reigning king would be given. One who would govern with justice and with righteousness. This child would be the Christ, the Messiah, the saving one. But even here in this text, Isaiah points to the Christ as being something so much more. He is much more than a king. He is mighty God. And the makeup of this mighty God is much more than a singular person. He is everlasting father. He is Prince of Peace, and he is Wonderful Counselor. Isaiah doesn't just point to, the save, to that saving king that is Jesus Christ. He points to the whole package, the whole family that Christ belongs to. Therefore, outlining the one who is coming is coming with a whole different level of authority than anyone else who has previously gone before. So we are going to look at this family the family that make up mighty God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
The reason why father, son, and other is important is that even though God is family and in a sense like us, or more, probably more appropriately, we are like him, the otherness element of God reminds us that God is not just a family unit, but so much more. It's a reminder of his omnipotence, his omniscience, and his omnipresence. So we can relate to God because God relates to us as family, but then our understanding at a point becomes curved by the fact that God is also so much more. He is family and he is other. God as father and God as son is very tangible to us, but God as spirit pushes the boundary of our understanding. However, within all that, the triune God models family perfectly in every way. They are a family of equals, each with their unique roles and able to operate beautifully in unity and diversity. The everlasting father is described as the, he's the head of the family and the first among equals. The buck stops with him. And this is shown by the way that the Son and the Spirit both submit themselves to the will of the Father. There is there's absolutely no grievance here from the Son or the Spirit. They are both completely satisfied with each other's roles and the role of the Father. There are even things that the Father knows that the Son and the Spirit do not. And yet, this does not prove to be a complication in the Godhead. Just an appreciation that what the Father wills, what the Father decides is good. Now, in this family dynamic, the father doesn't wield that authority round like a giant beating stick. In fact, he goes out, all out, to show his love and confidence in the God family by elevating his son and sending his spirit. Matthew 3.17, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It pleases God the Father to give his son, Jesus, all the glory and for his spirit to represent the otherness of God. The Prince of Peace is God's son and chosen savior for the world. He is both the King of Kings and the one who lovingly surrenders his will to the will of God the Father. In turn, he is God's chosen one to represent him to the world and is the gateway for all to know and experience God as family. The wonderful counselor, is God, the Holy Spirit, and he is the dynamic within the God family, chosen to represent the otherness of God. As God ignites the engine with his word, the Holy Spirit is that fuel that sustains the engine activity. See, Gordon, I used uh, car language to help you, mate. I just, you know, thought that you might enjoy that. Things like fuel and engine and ignition. Holy Spirit is the fuel that sustains the engine activity and is the absolute authenticator of God's omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. He lovingly submits to the, both the will of the Father and of the Son, and yet is completely crucial to any God family activity. In a nutshell, that is God is family. Family doesn't exist without plurality. God isn't mighty God without the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and wonderful counselor. Plurality is important, equality is important. Diversity is important, roles are important, and being unified is important. So family is not only what God is, but it's also how he relates. And Jesus teaches that in him, not only is the everlasting father, his father, but as in Matthew 6, we taught in prayer, 
he is also our Father. I think that's the wonderful thing about the picture of the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, with the first humans on earth, God was not at a distance, booming his voice from above, showing the world his mighty otherness. No, Genesis 3.8 tells us that the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In the beginning, God was walked and he talked with mankind as a father would walk and talk with his children. In Matthew 6, where Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, that is what he is pointing them back to, this family relationship where the children engage in conversation with their father. The richness of treasure goes even deeper when we discover that putting our faith in Christ results in us becoming co-heirs with Christ, which means not only does the love of God make way for us to become sons and daughters of the everlasting Father, but much more than that, his generosity extends beyond to make us co-heirs, fellow heirs with Christ, which means not only do we get to call on God as Father, but we get to connect with Jesus Christ as brother, which is somewhat bewildering, mind-baffling in my book, and yet so, at the same time, so overwhelmingly joyful. My king is my brother and co-heir. And from brother unto other, God relates to us by being with us. His Holy Spirit provides the otherness of God that moves beyond our understanding, but confirms our knowing that not only, Jesus, not only is it that Jesus is alive, but he is alive in me. He is the seal that anchors our belonging to God's family. He is the comfort and the counsel, the fuel to God's ignition in me, and the reminder that despite quite often my overwhelming feeling of undeservedness, God has distinctly and uniquely called me his own. I am part of his family. I am a son of the everlasting father, a brother to the prince of peace, and anchored in life by the otherness of God, empowered through his wonderful counselor. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means family, family is what we are. New Life Community Church made of people who found family in Jesus. We have found family in Jesus, and we are family together. Sons and daughters of God, co-heirs with Christ, brothers and sisters together. And this is supported by the language that we find in the New Testament regarding those who belong to Christ. It is a language. You read through the New Testament, a language of family, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. It's not just a, a nice feeling of community but the otherness of God seals something in us that moves us from a, a position of experiencing family to knowing family and being family. Okay, so what does that look like in practice? How do we do church family together? Well, firstly, we look to the God family model first. The God family, Father, Son, and Spirit operate as a family of equals, each with their own unique roles, and it's done beautifully in unity and diversity. So we should expect here at NLCC a culture of honor that looks to uphold these significant values of family, starting with equality, that we each hold 
equal value to God and to one another. In practice, and this should dismiss a hierarchical view of family and embrace a level playing field where family members are not seen to be trying to progress up a flight of stairs, so to speak, but we should be standing shoulder to shoulder together on the same platform. We should also expect to see roles. Equality does not dismiss the significance of family roles, but embraces it. We should expect to see the church family as fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons and daughters actively outworking distinctive roles that work collectively toward the mission of God. We should expect to see unity. If we look back to the beginning of man, unity is the perfect picture. Man and woman working as team in the presence of God, fulfilling the purposes of God. In chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, we find we discover the fall of mankind and the breaking of that unity as a result of division. Division is one of the main tactics of the devil. The devil is God's enemy and seeks to oppose all that God installs as good. And it is division that separates mankind from God. And it is Jesus who comes to heal that division. It is him, it is through him that the church is unified. And significantly why it's essential that Jesus remains, and rightly so, the central focus of the church. That we may be unified and protected from that which seeks to divide. We should all, so there's equality, roles, unity. We should also expect to see diversity. You just need to look around the room. The church is made up of individuals who are uniquely distinct and collectively family. This is a beauty to embrace. Not just as mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons and daughters, but of age, race and ability. We all beautifully bring something to the banqueting table that King Jesus has invited us to. It is a reflection of the God family, understanding that like him, there is a mightiness to it, there is a humanity to it, and there is an otherness to it as well. All in all, reflecting upon the God family, New Life Community Church should be a place that Equality, role, unity, and diversity is bound together by a great culture of respect and honor that is birthed out of a love for God and for one another. So in practice, we look to the God family first, and secondly, we look to the early church. The Gospels, the the book of Acts and the letters in the New Testament help us to understand the shape and practice of the early church in light of the ascension of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit. The church is a family together and is on mission together. A a family government is installed to significantly help uphold the mission of the church and how it operates in reflection of the God family. So here we see in the New Testament, Ephesians uh, mm, 6, I'm going to go with. It might be 4. Might be 4. Gifts of, someone shout me out. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Thank you. Awesome. Here we see gifts of people given to the church in the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is alongside the appointment of elders to help shepherd the church. And eldership is a role involving protection, leadership, teaching, and modeling family. We also see the appointment of deacons. These are guys who hold key roles of service within the church family, enabling others to flourish and to grow. It is here in the New Testament 
that we understand the church to be a body with Christ at its head and every part absolutely integral to its ability to function well. We also understand the church not only to be a body, but a bride. A bride that is intended for Jesus. By God's grace, gloriously beautiful and attractive for all to see. This is the family of God. So we look to the God family and we look to the early church. Thirdly and lastly, we remember that we are human. We are a family that is on a journey together of being changed by an unchanging God. And that is the reality for every individual who decides to follow Jesus. And therefore, it is the reality for every, for, uh, as the reality for us collectively as a family. We remember that although we look to the perfect, the God family as our model, we remember ourselves as imperfect but clothed with Christ. We are righteous before God because of Jesus, and at times we can be stupid before God and each other because of ourselves, which is why there has to be this wonderful bandwidth of grace within the church family that recognizes at times we will get things wrong, sometimes. Jesus helps us to understand our attitude when we get things wrong together as family. Matthew 18, 21 to 22. And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Grace and forgiveness is a culture that really, until our last breath, should be evident within the church family. It does not always mean forget. It doesn't always mean get off scot-free. But it is birthed out of the same love Jesus showed by laying down his life for the world. As we have been recipients of God's grace and forgiveness, we should therefore promote that as a standard mode of operation within our church family. Family is what God is. And family is what we are. And now we're going to finish by looking at family as a model to the world. Family is what God is. Family is what we are. Family is a model to the world. At a wedding, even with the groom present, all eyes are drawn to the bride. In fact, it is the groom's absolute pleasure to see the bride walk down the aisle arrayed in the finest of clothing and the rarest of jewels. She is beautiful. Beautiful in appearance. Beautiful in spirit. Beautiful in purpose. And all eyes are on her. As the father chooses to elevate his son... And the Son brings glory to the Father. So the Son elevates his bride, the church. And the church brings glory to the Son. It pleases Jesus that great attention is given to his church. What is the scripture? You are a light in the world. 
city on the hill. All eyes drawn. If you look back to the Psalms, there's this picture of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is, is kind of sat on the mound. And the psalmist says, look at the fortified walls. Look at the citadels. The kings of the earth come and they are astounded and they are fearful. Jesus, it pleases him to give great attention to his church. The commission to go to the ends of the earth is to walk down the aisle that stretches through every nation throughout the world with eyes fixed on Jesus. The church is for all eyes to see. It is attractive. Yes, contrary to what your opinion may be, we as a church family are attractive. <laughs> Take a good look. Draw it in. <laughs> We're attractive. <laughs> the Bible says it so. <clears throat> the church is for all eyes to see. Attractive. Adorned with gifts from God. Adorned with gifts from God. And beautiful at every level. Now, it may cast its eye from village to village, town to town, city or to nation, but her ultimate gaze is held by the groom that she walks towards. The bride is not a silent bride, but calls to every village, town, city and nation, come, come, don't just observe what's happening. This event, this walk, this adornment, this wedding, it's not just for me. There is an invitation for every one of you, man, woman, and child, to be part of this bride, which is the family of God. We are a family of good news, amen? A family of invitation, a family of great welcome, that no matter who you are, whether observing the bride or responding to the invitation, you are welcome. This is a place where equality, role, university, university, unity and diversity operate with the greatest honor and respect in line with what we know and understand of the God family and with an understanding that in our humanity we'll sometimes get that wrong. No matter, our intention is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Walk the aisle, send out the invitations and be ready to welcome all. Like the scriptures describe, we want to be a church family that radiates the beauty God has given us. Beauty not just in appearance, but a beauty that is rooted deep in the knowledge of all that he is, all that he has done, and all that he's doing. This is in order that our purpose might also prove beautiful. That this race of life is not just a sprint down the track, but a walk down the aisle. Let me invite the worship team to come back and lead us in response. Should we stand together? New Life Community Church is made up of people who have found hope, family, life, and acceptance in Jesus. We are just going to simply respond in worship. Family is what God is. Family is who we are. And family is a model to the world.
Oh God, that we would delight in you as you as revealed to us, Lord, yourself as family. May we delight you with our family behavior. I thank you for your righteousness that covers us. I pray that, Father, and I thank you that, Father, you've already done a work here, Lord God, and you'll continue a transforming work, Lord. May your bride be ever more beautiful in this community and beyond, Lord. May we radiate your glory, Lord. May we be that city on the hill. May we be a light to the world because it pleases you. And may we bring glory to your name. So everlasting Father, I want to thank you for the model that is revealed to us and who you are as God. You are family. Your language is family. Help us together as your church family to be a family in your image and in your likeness. Prince of Peace and King of Kings, would you help us to fix our eyes on you and to be a family of good news, sending out invitation after invitation to every corner of the globe as we draw closer to you. God, let this town become a bride for you. God, let this nation become a bride for you. May people, I pray now, know right here, right now, what it is to be counted into the family of God. Wonderful counselor, thank you for your leadership, comfort, and for bringing the otherness of God into our midst. Amen.